You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Are you happy to be here this morning, church? Are you happy to be here this morning, church? All right, so good to see you. I'm going to ask at this time if Pastor Jason Torville would come to the platform. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, we're a part of a denomination is the best way to describe it, of the Assemblies of God. And we're a part of this organization, so to speak, called the Pendle District, where often when we have men's ministry events and women's ministry conferences and so on and so forth, um, what we're doing is we're connecting with our brother and sister churches around Pennsylvania and Delaware and connecting at these events. It's an awesome resource and an awesome some fellowship to be a part of. Uh, Would you make Pastor Jason feel welcome this morning as he comes to share a little bit more about that? Thank you, Pastor Donnie. It is a pleasure to be worshiping the Lord with you here. Isn't it good to be in God's house? Okay, half of you believe that. Isn't it good to be in God's house? Amen. Amen. It is exciting to be worshiping the Lord together. And um, with our brothers and sisters in like faith. And as Pastor Donnie had mentioned, I bring you greetings from your network leadership there in Mechanicsburg, which is kind of where we are housed, um, across the Pennsylvania-Delaware network, which is our local or regional expression of the Assemblies of God. There's about, you're part of about 400 churches across Pennsylvania-Delaware and about 1,400 ministers across Pennsylvania and Delaware across the world. The Assemblies of God is around 70 million worldwide. And so you are a part of something bigger than just our local expressions, but thank God for what happens here as well. Amen. Because it's as God's people who are seeking his face, are chasing after him. Do you know 2 Chronicles says that the Lord is searching the whole earth to see whose hearts are turning to him. So if you turn to him, he turns to us. And, and so I just bring you greetings from our network leadership and very specifically from Dr. Don Emmel, our district superintendent, along with him, a network and of, of us there at the district office give oversight. And my role, Pastor Donnie mentioned, our prayer time is in the area of church recalibration. And the best way I can describe that is we believe that healthy churches matter. Amen. Let me say it again. Healthy churches matter. Because whenever a church is healthy, the body of Christ becomes healthy. A few years ago, back in 1998 through 2002, I had the privilege of working at one of our Assemblies of God universities down in the state of Missouri entitled Evangel University. And my role there was very specifically with student development and, and the, the specific expression. I was in charge of a men's dorm of about 210 what I called big brothers to my two little boys at the time. And of the 210 um, boys and young men that were there, the majority of which were on the football team and the basketball team and the baseball team, there was more testosterone in that dorm. And during our time there, one of our responsibilities was to welcome freshmen in. And I want to share with you just a very brief story. One year, this young man by the name of John had come in, 
And whenever John came into the room, he's one of those people that his smile lit up the whole room. He was a linebacker. And so while he was a gentle giant, I mean, his paws were the size of a bear's. He stood about 6'1", 220 pounds. And if you came down the middle of the field, you knew you were going to get hit by John. But to sit in a room with John, he was the most gentle expression that was ever there. And so this is all I really knew about John at the time, just his smile, his gentleness. One day I saw John walking through the lobby on his way to his room, and I could tell by his demeanor, his head was down, and the weight of the world was on John's shoulders. I said, John, how are you doing today? Hey, Mr. Torville, good to see you. And he just kept walking. I said, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. What's going on? He goes, oh, Mr. Torville, I, I think I'm going to have to drop out of school. I said, well, why? What's going on? He goes, oh, I, I'm just not going to be able to make it. And we're about halfway through the semester at this point, and I said, well, what's, are your grades bad? He goes, no, my, my grades are good. Are, are finances a struggle? No, I got the football scholarship. I'm okay. And I, right away, I sensed my spirit, something else is going on there. And so I called him into my office, and I said, John, what's really going on? And he began to share with me that every Saturday, the last 10 Saturdays in the row that he had been at the university, he would call his home back in the southeast part of the United States, and he would talk to his family. He said, the conversation always starts good, but it always ends the same way. I said, well, how does it end? He says, well, at the end of every conversation, somebody on my family, my mom or my dad, tells me, John, when are you dropping out? You know our family isn't good enough to college. How dare you try to prove that you're smarter than all of us? You know you're going to fail. You know you're not college material. And I caught him at the tail end of this conversation. And I looked at him. I felt the Spirit of God rise up within me. And I said, John, look me in the eyes. And I said, John, you are not going to fail. You are going to succeed here at this university. You're going to graduate in a few years with all A's and all B's, and you're going to fulfill the purposes. And I said, John, you don't realize, God brought you here not to fail, but to succeed. God brought you here not to fall flat on your face, but to fulfill the purposes for which God has called you here. Amen. All of a sudden, his countenance changed. He says, is it possible? I said, possible? It's your destiny. It's what God has established for you. He didn't bring you this far to let you fail. Part of my responsibilities with church recalibration and very specifically with the Acts 2 journey, and some of you are familiar with what that is, is that we return as a church to God's original dream. Did you know that whenever God breathed, breathed crossroads into existence, he breathed it with a vision and a dream and a purpose. And just like John's responsibility was to capture the Heavenly Father's view of who he was, church, we are God's expression. You hold God's purpose. And today, as Pastor John is going to be bringing the word, Part of that is for us finding out God's good purpose because he didn't bring us this far even amidst a coronavirus to fall flat on our face, right. Right. that his purposes are going to prevail. Amen, church? 
Thank you very much, Pastor Donnie. It's great being with you us here today. Thank you. Would you give it up for Pastor Jason one more time? Thank you so much. So today we're, we're going to celebrate just a couple of things before we get into the Word this morning. Um, a lot has been happening this past week at C3 Church. I don't know if you're aware of that. Uh, this past Wednesday, for example, uh, downstairs we had our, our kids' ministry again for the, for the second week in a row. And this past Wednesday, we had 33 kids downstairs for our weekly kids' ministry. The week before this week, we had uh, kids ministry evangelists come in and host a couple days of ministry here where kids would attend for about three different uh, evenings. And uh, on the last evening, they gave a salvation message. And here at C3 Church, we had 10 kids receive salvation this past week. There's also been some awesome moments happening where, for example, I don't know if you noticed, but our, our lobby looks a little different. Just a little bit. Uh, we had some awesome volunteers here this week who just did an outstanding job every evening. One individual, I didn't ask his permission to share this, so I don't want to use his name, Scott. Um, but uh, he, he took a vacation day to help us paint our lobby. And in addition to that, we had also equally awesome guys such as uh, uh, Wayne uh, being here. Big Wayne, tall guy, can't miss him. Uh, he just was here day and night, kind of like that worship song, day and night, let painting arise, right? And so he was here painting, doing lighting for us. I mean, just absolutely, as my generation says, killing it. And that's a good thing, by the way. And so he just killed it this week. So we had awesome things like that. We also had some awesome celebration moments, such as, I don't know if you noticed, there's also a tent outside. Uh, there was a wedding that took place here, and now we have Ben and Savannah Smith uh, officially. Can we give it up for them? I'm a, they'll watch the live stream later. I have faith. And on top of all of that, we had an engagement this week. Uh, the announcement individual, the one and only Joseph, uh, he got engaged to Bree this past week. So let's give it up for them. Just another week here at C3. Isn't God good? I am just so ecstatic with what God is doing here in this body of Christ, and I'm so ecstatic for what he has on the horizon. I understand that people are dreading this November for whatever reason, um, but they're dreading the end of, end of 2020, November. And can I just say that I am so excited because I still believe that by the time we reach the end of 2020, we're going to see God do some incredible things in our nation and in our culture. Come on, somebody. And I believe that we're going to continue to see him build his church because as he said, and we're going to be talking about today, he said, I will build my church. He didn't say I might. He didn't say if COVID comes, all bets are off. He didn't say if, poli if political turmoil happens, I don't know if it's going to. He said, I will build my church and hell can't even stop it. And that's the promise that we're standing on today, church. Are y'all happy to be here? You guys look fantastic. I am so excited for this new series titled Core Values. Everybody say Core, core. Values. As a leadership team, over the past couple months, we've gotten together and we've talked about what are our core values as a C3 church. It's something that we've really never had, really never uh, dug into. And I'm going to define for a couple moments why it's important to have core values as a church. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to be discussing what our core values are. Throughout the past couple months, specifically during the COVID season, we were talking to one another as a leadership team, asking the questions, who are we? 
What defines us as a community of believers? If we're going to claim the title community in the name of our church, we should really know what that means, right, church? And so we talked about, you know, what defines us, but what not only defines us, let's take it one step further. Who are we going to become in Christ? Because how many of you know that Christ has not called us to remain complacent or the same? Oh, come on, church. He has not called us to remain the same. Come on, somebody. But how many of you know that he is in the business of transforming lives? And I heard a quote one time, and it stuck with me, that transformation is not a destination, it's a process. We're all going through it. We're all going trans through transformation in our own individual lives and in our relationship with Christ. So who are we as a church? And better yet, who are we becoming? What, what are our core values that will lead us into the future preferred destination and vision that God has for us, that God has here and now for C3? Who are we? What defines our culture and where is our culture as a church going? Who are we growing into? Ultimately, the best way to define values is values is how we live out our beliefs. They're different than beliefs. Beliefs are kind of like our core doctrine, and we already have that through the Assemblies of God. They're called the, the, the fundamental truths. There are, it's what shapes our doctrine. It shapes what we believe, and, and, and that's a separate topic. What I'm talking about today is values, which is what are the behaviors that are a result of what we believe? How do we live out these beliefs? How do we live out our doctrine? So when I state our core values are such, please don't you know, sit there and say, well, pastor, I believe we're a Bible-believing church. Well, praise God, so do I. But today I'm talking about how is our life going to look as a result of that truth claim of saying, I am a Bible-believing Christian. What does your life look like? And here's why values matter so much in our culture today. Because often people won't care what you believe until they see how you live. They won't care what you have to say unless your life backs up the truth claims in which you hold on to and say, I believe this. You fill in the blank. It doesn't matter unless they see it being lived out through and in your life. That's what I'm talking about today. As C3 Church, what are we living out? What are, who are we currently and who are we going to become? Another way to look at this is churches must have these three things in order to have a solid foundation that can be built off of. The first is this, a purpose. The purpose is our mission. It's, it's why we exist, and our purpose is defined in Matthew 28, 19, when Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the good news. That's our purpose. That's why we're here on earth. That's why we're gathered here today is the body of Christ. Secondly, a church must have this as a part of their foundation if they want to keep on growing, if they want to keep on being successful in reaching the losses, a future vision. Where are we going? Why do we exist? Where are we going with that purpose, with that existence? How many of you know that you can be aware of your existence and still not live it out? Oh, come on. You guys are awfully quiet today. I don't know if it's because it's chilly outside or what, but can I get an amen this morning? We not only have to know why we exist, but we have to have a vision to carry that existence out. And today what we're talking about is a plan to live out our mission, values. Values is combining the first two things and the outcome is a behavior. I'm going to say that one more time. Values is combining the first two things, our mission and our vision, and the outcome, the verb, the action step is behavior. Is this making sense this morning? Today, I want to I talk to you about our biblical core values that 
the leadership team here at the church, we've sat down, we've discussed this, we've processed this, we've, we've laid it all out. What is going to not only help us function here and today, that's going to be kind of our perimeters that we exist within and we function, but also what is going to provide us guidelines as we teach our kids to be the future church, which by the way, I'm kind of hesitant to say that because how many of you know that our kids are here and they're here now, they are the church of today. And so what's going to guide our children as they grow older is a better way of putting it. That's our core values. Throughout the next few weeks, we'll be discussing our four core values. But today, we're going to discuss our first one. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand with me this morning as we read our first core value? And I'm going to ask that we read this together. I'll start us out. And I need you all to not be shy this morning. Can you promise me that? Because then I'm going to feel awkward. I'm going to go down to my office and cry. And it's going to be a long day, okay? So I need you to just read it along with me. First, we are this. Repeat after me. We are a community that welcomes everyone. We are a multi-generational community of believers that welcomes families and individuals as we help one another discover and become who God has created us to be. Everyone has a place to belong at C3. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you said, come as you are. That's the church we want to be. No prerequisites. No, you must behave in a certain manner before we welcome individuals. God, we want to be this kind of church that says, come with all your brokenness. Come with everything you got going on because I know the one who can make you whole again. Lord, teach us to be an Acts 2 kind of church, a church on fire for you, a church that is reaching the lost, a church that is welcoming to the world around us and to one another. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. This first core value, we are a community that welcomes everyone, is based off of Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40, which is where, gonna be, where we are going to be turning to here in the next couple moments. That's Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40. But before I get there, I just want to talk for a minute. This is not only who we are, but as I've mentioned, this is who we're always going to strive to be. We are always going to strive to be welcoming. Did you know that this is a rare trait in our culture today? I don't know if you've noticed this, maybe it's just me, but I feel like the culture around us has grown very cold right now. And that's not me condemning them because how many of you know that we're all struggling with that right now? A couple minutes of the media is enough to make your heart cold. A couple minutes on social media is enough to make your heart cold. A few conversations with frustrated individuals in, our, in the society around us is enough for you to walk away kind of frustrated and having this feeling of hopelessness. And I get it, but can I tell you that today we're striving to be countercultural? That's also a part of who we are. You'll notice that every one of our core values is different than the culture around us. We're standing here today promising that we will welcome, no matter what background, no matter what ethnicity, no matter what, what strongholds are on your life, no matter what, what you've been through, we're saying here today as a church, you're going to be welcome and you're going to have a place here in the body of Christ. The culture around us says you must prove yourself before I acknowledge or welcome you. This is different. And Christ was passionate about welcoming others. 
Old Testament and New Testament. As a matter of fact, there's different laws in the Old Testament that talk about how if somebody is basically seeking refuge, that the Israelites must welcome them in and and make a, a safe haven for them. And the Old Testament and the New Testament, welcoming someone, showing them hospitality. Have you ever met somebody who just has the gift of hospitality? Here's how you'll know. They're really good cooks. I just think of this this youth leader that I had whenever I was younger, Becky, just, man, she just cooked a lot. And I had no problem with that because I ate a lot. I remember our church going on camping trips, and I kid you not, they set up over at Becky's area, they set up this military tent. She cooked nonstop that week. Not because she had to, not because she felt a burden to, because Becky loved having a table full of people. During the week, you could go by Becky's house and there would be a prayer meeting happening or a small group meeting, or she was even brave enough to have the youth ministry over her. That's a step of faith. That was just Becky, hospitality, and you could just see the love of Christ all over this woman. Friendly, kind, was good with kids, teenagers, adults, didn't matter. She just loved having a table full of people that she could love on. That was Becky. Man, that in a nutshell is what we're striving for as a church, that we would have an open table no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done. You have a place at our table out of a genuineness. If we want to see growth in our church spiritually and numerically, this must be a principle that we build off of. This must be a principle. Welcoming others must be a principle that we protect, that we make sure we never lose. You want to know, one of the the most sad books that I've read in in quite a long time is, is this church titled An Autopsy of a Deceased Church. Do you understand that there's a lot of churches right now in the United States that are closing? The only person who supported a church not growing or remaining the same in the New Testament is Satan. Jesus said, I will build my church. So what happened, right? What happened in our culture that we have books coming out talking about deceased churches and how to avoid it? Did you know that one of the primary causes in a church dying out is the fact that they broke off and they stopped being a community that welcomes others? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. A welcoming community is hospitable. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, like I said, in just a moment, we're going to turn to there. But I want to give some backstory to this scripture. Jesus in this scripture is giving a response to a question asked by the Pharisees. And you know how like sometimes your kids, there's two different questions they'll ask you. They'll ask you a genuine question. They do not know the answer. But then there's the other type. And it's a question. They know the answer. But it's what we call testing you. And it's what we call, as parents, the octagon, the battleground. It's where your kids are testing you to see if you really meant what you said you meant. Sometimes they'll take this battle to mom or dad fully knowing that they just got the answer from mom. Now it's time to test out dad and see if he measures up. They test to make sure that uh, 
your doctrine is well-rounded. In this portion of Scripture, Jesus, like a bunch of children who are testing their parents, is asked a question, but it is not out of curiosity. It is a question that is trying to catch him. That is trying to set a trap and get his foot caught in it. The Pharisees loved the law because they could use the law to condemn others by it. And in this moment, they're trying to draw that out of Jesus. They're trying to draw something out of Jesus that wasn't there. And they're trying to trick Jesus by saying, which, which law of these, Lord, is the greatest? And once again, this isn't a moment where they're honestly asking for a genuine answer. Their heart is trying to find fault in our Savior. And Jesus gives this beautiful answer in this scripture. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40 says this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This answer is incredible because Jesus just summarized the entire Old Testament and law that came with it. As a matter of fact, a good example of this is when you look to the Ten Commandments, you cannot fulfill the Ten Commandments unless you first do one of these things. If you covet your neighbor's possessions, you aren't loving your neighbor. If the Lord your God, if you're not loving him first above everything else, you're not loving God. Jesus, in this beautiful, profound answer, says, I want you to love God with everything, and I want you to love others. And what's so beautiful about this is when he talks about loving your neighbor, he's not talking about a geographical location. He's saying anybody who comes to you in a time of help or need or is a stranger, that's your neighbor. Completely blowing these people's minds right open. Because in their minds, the only people who are worthy to receive a welcoming, hospitable church are people who obeyed the law are people who were religious like them, not relationship-driven. They said, you're not worthy of being welcome into our community unless you are practicing these religious actions, unless you're looking good on the outside. And then Jesus comes in and says, no, 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 no. No matter who is the least of these, you and I are called to welcome them. Is this making sense this morning? Welcoming someone through the gift of hospitality is a powerful thing. When we welcome others out of genuineness because we honestly just love God, and as a result of that love for God, we're loving others, welcoming others becomes, show, becomes a sign of showing the affection of God to them. I'm going to say that one more time. When you and I welcome others, we are showing the affection of God. We are showing them the affection of a father. And the reality is, is that you and I might be the only representation of the love of Christ to someone. You and I might be the only representation that they ever see of a genuine Christ-like love. When you and I are welcoming others in with open arms, you and I are showing the affection that God has for them. Welcoming others is a powerful thing. Welcoming others breaks down walls and barriers. As a matter of fact, I heard a story from a, a gentleman attending a, a fairly large church. Um, 
now follow me with this because this is going to sound a little odd and counterproductive for a second. But um, so this atheist is attending church. And if you think about that for a second, it's kind of like, okay. So this atheist starts attending church and he goes because he receives a friendly invite. He starts showing up week after week and he's skeptical and he's kind of mocking the service. The friend who brings him is kind of like, oh man, it's a lost cause. He's, he's just not picking up. So the following week, he gets a text message from his friend, the individual who's an atheist, and he says, hey, can I come back to your church? Yeah, okay, sure. I mean, you just criticized my church and talked about how God doesn't exist, but you want to come back. Okay, whatever. So he comes back. And then the following week, he comes back. Week after week, this individual is coming back to the church. And so finally, this friend has had enough. True story, by the way. This friend has had enough, and he's like, listen, you're not coming back another week unless you tell me why you keep coming back. He said, honest answer, yeah. And this guy kind of masculine, you know, persona. He's like, you're not going to judge me? You're not going to look at me as some softy? No. I came for the meet and greet time during your service. He said, man, I just wanted a hug. This man came from an abusive background. Never knew what it was like to have a father hug him and say, I love you. Shows up on a Sunday morning and doing the meet and greet time, a gentleman who happened to be around the same age of his father who was sitting in the row behind him leaned over and gave him a hug. Long story short, this individual comes to know Christ as a result of this interaction and is serving the Lord to this day. They were just welcoming. They were just hospitable. Just doing what Christians should do, and that's loving God, and as a result of that love for God, loving one another. Don't ever underestimate the power of a friendly hello. Don't ever underestimate the power of holding the door for someone. In 2020, that's like giving somebody a million dollars. Don't ever underestimate the value of asking. And this is something that my wife is great at. When I'm going through the drive through I'm all business. Yes, I want a Big Mac, large fry, and I'm going to be on my way happy and fat. Thank you very much. And Kylie will lean over to me and say, ask them how their day's doing. I'm like, that's weird. Like, she just wants to swipe my card and get another customer through the line and go on about her day. And I don't blame her. If I had to deal with me in the drive-thru, I would hate it. I'm like, okay, I'll try out your way. So, uh, how's your day going? They look like they saw a ghost. Uh... <laughs> She paused. I, I'm, I'm good. How was your day? And it was just so funny to have this interaction. And I, I, time and time again, going through Starbucks and just saying, literally, when you pull up to the window, rather than getting your business done and moving on, just the simple question, how are you doing? And I'm, I'm blown away that in 2020, there's individuals' lives, their jaw drops, or you can see it in their eyes, you know, because of the mask, and you see it in their... 
That was not a political stance. For our lawyers who are joining us on live stream today, that was not. But they're looking at you, and you see their eyes just get real big. Friends, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what my giftings are. Can I tell you that welcoming something, it, it doesn't take this kind of like profound born with it talent or skill. It's something that we can all do. And it's something that we're all called to do, to love your neighbor. It's not a geographical location. But one more story before I move on to the next point. I heard a story of a young man who he, he came to church kind of along the same lines as the first individual. Didn't believe in Christ, had a lot of questions for God. But because he received a friendly invite and experienced a welcoming church, he just kept coming back. Week after week, and he said, sermon after sermon, all of my questions started to get answered. And finally... He said, I was waiting for the pastor to, to just give an altar call. I wanted to know Christ. So this young man, he comes to know Christ, and now he's running a church over in Texas of about 8,000 people. One welcoming invite has now turned into an average church attendance, and I understand we're not all about numbers, but here's the reality, is numbers represent an eternal destination. There's 8,000 people who are hearing and receiving the word of God on a week as a result of somebody simply being welcoming and loving. Friends, this core value sounds so basic, doesn't it? I'm currently teaching my three-year-old, be friendly on the playground, stop kicking kids off the sliding board. <laughs> it's something that we teach our kids being kind, to one another and yet we allow culture and everything else into our hearts and frustration to get rooted and we soon have this attitude and this presence about us of if you say hello to me I'm going to throw you in a wood chipper <laughs> and we carry around this anger and this and this and don't even bring up politics and I understand it was a graphic illustration forgive me and so we just get so frustrated where it literally looks like we're, we're just angry all the time. Can I just remind you this morning that you have a father who loves you. And as a result of knowing who you are in him, because he loves you, he approves of you. When you give your heart to Christ, he approves of you. He looks at you with this kindness and he just wants us to reciprocate what he's given us. So what's happened? Why is it that there are books like this that exist? What's happened in churches where individuals and culture today, I, I just have to point out this reality, we as a church are fighting reputation that we exclusively have not had, but the church in the United States of America has had a reputation for being a clique, for being about us, for not being welcoming. And Sunday after Sunday, make no mistake, we are still fighting that reputation because churches get these generalized, this is who church is. They're religious, they're a clique, they're, you fill in the blank. You've all dealt with it, right? And so it's no shock to us, but, but what is the cause of that? What has happened in churches to where their love grows cold and they stop welcoming others?
And this morning, I would like to not only talk about what Scripture has to say as to what happens when churches become unwelcoming, but, but what authors are writing about. What are they saying whenever they investigate over 40 churches that have closed and they're trying to pinpoint what has happened? Make no mistake that the church becoming unwelcoming is a major factor in it. What stops a church from being welcoming? Well, first this, a church that is inward focused rather than outward focused. What stops us from being welcoming to others, to those who are new us, to those who walk in our doors for the first time that we've never seen before? What stops churches? And the reason why I'm listing these this morning is not because this is who we are. It's so that we never become this. Amen, church? It's so that we can always protect our first core value. We are welcoming. A church that is inward focused rather than outward focused. You know what that's like. It's the me first syndrome. It's the my preferences are greater than their preferences. This is the way that I grew up in church and ultimately personal preference becomes doctrine. And soon we're so focused on what feeds me, what, what makes me feel good, what speaks to me, that we completely become inward focused, forgetting that there's a world outside of these four walls that needs Jesus. In order to be welcoming and show hospitality, it takes us thinking about others more than ourselves. Come on, somebody. It takes us saying them first. When you and I come to know Christ, we kind of lay that me first privilege down. In growing in maturity in Christ, I mean, the fruits of the Spirit will say this, that it becomes about a lifestyle focused on others rather than focused on myself. If I neglect being welcome because I'm focused on me, what I have going on, and I believe my church exists to cater me and what makes me feel comfortable, I won't have the heart that is necessary to welcome others. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 through 2 says this. An unfriendly person pursues selfish ends. And against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. That's a lot of me in there. Do you see the pattern? No, just me? Do you see the pattern? They find no pleasure in understanding. Why? Because they're consumed with their own opinions. They pursue selfish ends. And here's the reality is sometimes we'll use the title hurt to make it about us. And friend, if you're here this morning and there's hurt in your life, can I tell you, you've come to the right church. We would love to pray with you. We would love to talk about that need. But eventually, we have to move beyond that hurt. Amen, church? Otherwise, what ends up help happening is we get used to using that, that claim, that victim title. And we use it for our own benefit. Friend, a church that is unwelcoming has a problem of being inward focused. I am so glad this morning that we sang a song, and it's just the way the Holy Spirit works, that we sang a song that says he is worthy of it all. 
For from you are all things. To you are all things. I love worship songs that say, it's not about me. Being a Christian means that I think about others. Being a Christian means it's not about my personal preferences. It's about the lost. It means that I don't think about what makes me comfortable. It means that I think about what welcomes others in. What stops a church from being welcoming when a church's memories being, are bigger than a future dream of the church? I'm going to say that one more time. A church's memories being bigger than the future dreams is often what stops a church from being welcoming. One more time. A church's memories being bigger than the future dreams that it has. Now, don't get me wrong. I celebrate the, the, the quote-unquote good old days. I think we all do, right? We all have those moments when, when we first came to know Christ, and that was a good day. And I thank God for that. But one thing I have to be careful of is building personal experience into doctrine and saying my experience needs to be duplicated in order to reach people like me. It, time has, ha has gone forward since I came to know Christ. And in youth ministry... There's a certain taste that teens had in worship music. Can I, be, can I be candid with you this morning? I was not a fan of it. <laughs> I went to youth convention after youth convention, and there were even years, and this is when my wife looked at me and said those beautiful words, you're getting old. Because I went to youth conferences with earplugs. The music... Uh, I'm not going to dive into that anymore. I'll just leave it there. But around an altar time, I look over, and there's a junior higher weeping before the Lord, singing these lyrics out. And I'm not saying that we do away with all music, and we, there's a balance. How many of you are thankful to God that there's balance? Just a month ago, I had this conversation with Jeff, our bass player, and Mike, our worship leader. I... I love the theology behind hymns. I love it. It's rich. One of the things that I so appreciate about different generations doing is they come together, and have you ever heard one of the revamped hymns where they add some contemporary courses to it, but they still sing the hymns? I love that because I look at that and I say, that's what the body of Christ should be doing. Not drawing a dividing line saying, you sing my songs, I sing, not doing that, but saying, let's come together and make this work. Come on, somebody. If there's ever been a time when the representation of unity is necessary to reach the lost, it is now. You will not find unity in our culture in the school system right now. You will not find it in politics. God help you. You will not find it in our culture. But if there has ever been an opportunity to allow the unity that we have in Christ to shine before man and reach them for Jesus, it's now. Come on, somebody. Welcoming others. Making sure that our eyes are focused on God has more to do. There's more that he's going to do. There's more that he wants to do. It's not a matter of if God has more for us as we move into the future. It's what does he have for us. Let us protect our welcoming culture and make sure that our dreams are always bigger than our memories. 
I thank God for what he's done, but I also want to recognize that God has more to come. I said God has more to come, church. Christ said, I will build my church. Hell can't even stop it. I want to be on that team. I want to be on the team that's building and running after the more. There's a reputation of, a ch of the church as a whole being an insider clique. And even though we aren't a part of that, our church, it's still a, a reputation that we have to fight. I heard a story, and I'm going to share this with you, and then we're going to head to a close. I heard a story of a, of a woman who went on this, this women's ministry conference. First time going to any event that this church had. Didn't really know the ladies that she was going with. And so this conference is happening, and the other ladies who went to this conference, they arranged a get-together that night. They ordered in some pizzas and had some conversation in a room a few doors down from this first-time visitor's room. Never extended the invite, never welcomed her in. As a matter of fact, whenever she went a few doors down to ask if she could come in, they turned her away. And they said, you know, we're just talking about some things in our church, and, and I don't know if you would understand what we're talking about. This woman returned to her room and wept, and wept, and wept. Because what this woman was going through is she had just had to admit her mother into a nursing home because her mother suffered from severe Alzheimer's. She had a lot of brokenness. Friends, let us always take into consideration what might be going on in an individual's life. Let that be the driving motivation for us to welcome them with open arms. Let us be the kind of church that never has testimonies and stories of happenings like that. But let each and every one of us hold each other accountable and protect the welcoming culture that C3 has and make sure that we will always have it as we move into the future. Amen, church? Amen. Worship team, would you come? I'm not just talking about welcoming unbelievers. I'm saying that love and welcoming should be a part of how we interact with one another and how we interact with those who may not know Christ. As we close this morning, my final point with you around this topic is this. A welcoming culture begins in our hearts. If we want Christ to spread throughout the culture of our church, he must first spread throughout our hearts. A welcoming culture begins in our hearts. John chapter 13 verse 35 says this, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. A person's outward love is a primary sign of an inward relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to say that again. A person's outward love for one another is a primary sign of an inward relationship with Jesus. In today's society, we have a ton of marketing. A ton of marketing. 
So much so that in a minute, I'm going to ask our media booth to start going through some logos. And I want you to tell me, not even by seeing the name of this logo, but just by seeing the symbol of this logo, I want you to tell me what, what, what brand it is, what company it is. Can you show the first one? Nobody had to tell you, Nike. You just saw the symbol and knew what it was. Next picture. There's my hunters. There it is. Browning Outdoor Company. Nobody had to tell you. You saw the beautiful buckhead. Lord, may it be on my wall this winter. Hallelujah. Amen. Next picture. <laughs> We'll have an altar call now for the men of the household. Uh, next picture. I have a lot to say on that one, but I'm going to refrain. I will say that their pumpkin latte is exquisite. Um, don't judge me. I don't judge you. That's our last picture, correct, media team? There's one more? All right, go ahead and show the, the next one. Just like you and I are seeing a symbol and identifying a product, a brand, a culture with it, so it is supposed to be with our love for one another. That no one would have to tell, no one would have to scream out, nobody had to tell you, it's Nike! Nobody had to tell you it was browning. Nobody had to speak that you knew because you saw the symbol. Jesus was trying to convey this message that your love for one another is a symbol, that people will identify a culture, a belief system, a worldview system by your love. Just like you and I see logos and we identify a culture and a product, people will see the love of Christ in you and identify a savior. It's our core value. This is the kind of church that I want to be. The church that people recognize the love of Christ in and through your life and automatically associate it with a Savior. What would Fogelsville look like if we were known as the church that loved and welcomed one another? What would Allentown look like? they knew about a church where they didn't even have to know our C3 logo. They just said, you're really friendly and loving and welcoming. You're one of those C3 people, aren't you? Can I, can I tell you that it's possible? So the question is, church, as we close this morning, are you willing to live it out? I want you to honestly consider this for a second. Are you willing to live it out? This means that when we go into the community around us, the stores, that you and I will have a higher standard when they get our order wrong. That you and I will have a higher standard than when somebody doesn't agree with us politically. That you and I will have a higher standard when we're met with confrontation at our workplace. 
that you and I will have a higher standard with our families when we get together and they're doing unchristlike things because they don't know Jesus. It means that you and I will resist because we're held to a higher standard. We're called to love one another. It doesn't say agree with one another. It says love one another. Do you hear the standard? And here's the reality this morning. You and I cannot exemplify what we don't have. Can't be done. Our flesh has a certain definition of love and it's selfish, self-seeking, always seeks approval and praise of others always seeks to prove itself to others. I want to tell you about my qualifications before I welcome you. No, 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 no. But then there's this other kind of love that we have from Christ where he says, I want you to love your neighbor no matter what background, no matter what you disagree with them on, I want you to love them. The Bible says to speak truth in love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 has an awful lot to say about the definition of love. That love is patient and love is kind. And this kind of love, here's the thing. You and I cannot produce it on our own. We can fake it for a moment or two, but we can't produce it. So this morning, I want to ask you. Are you living out of this love? I want you to honestly think about this. Because it's moments like this that will often change the trajectory of our lives when we have an encounter with Jesus. And right now, I feel like the Holy Spirit is just setting this place up for an encounter with Him. So I want to ask you, do not let a moment go by like this where you stand there and you say, well, Pastor, I don't want to answer. I want you to honestly, critically think about this for a moment. Are you living out of Christ-like love? Or like me, you often struggle with fighting your flesh. My flesh wants to go like a pit bull after political arguments. I'm just being honest with you this morning. When somebody gets my order wrong and I've had a long day, a tiring day, maybe a, a, a rough night sleeping, whatever it may be, it takes a lot to show a welcoming attitude. But it's what Christ has called us to. Are you living up to that standard? Because if your answer is no, here's the beautiful thing. All you and I have to do is seek his help and he'll give it. Would you stand to your feet this morning, church? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. At C3 Church, our first primary core value is we are a community that welcomes everyone. We are a multi-generational community of believers that welcomes families and individuals as we help one another discover and become who God has created us to be. Everyone has a place to belong at C3 Church. Are you ready, church? If next Sunday God just flooded this place and we had a line out the door, would we be ready to live out of that Christ-like love? If this Wednesday I go down and get kicked out of my office for the second time in a row, because third time in a row, thank you, 
because there are a bunch of little girls having class with their teacher in my office. If I were to walk down there and there would be kids lying down the hallway because they can't fit them in, would we be ready to welcome them with Christ-like love? Are we ready to say, you know what, pastor, it's not about me. It's not, I'm going to say that again. It is not about me. It is about reaching the lost. It is about living out of this Christ-like love so that as I show love, as I welcome others in, people will know just like we see in marketing, that is a Christ follower. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Evaluate in your heart, right here, right now, are you actively living out of that Christ-like love? That hospitable, welcoming, come gather around the table kind of love. If you're here today and you're not alone in answering this and you say, you know what, pastor, I'm struggling. Everything with COVID, everything political, everything in my workplace has changed and it's made me so irritable. And friend, you might have legitimate reasons this morning as to why you've been frustrated. And I'm not saying they're illegitimate. I'm saying they're legitimate. But if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm struggling. I need, I need that kind of love in my life because I know if I were to walk out of here and try and display it to somebody else, I'd fall flat on my face because it's just not welling up in me. If that's you here this morning without anybody looking around, would you just lift a hand up and hold it there? The reasons why we do this, when we lift our hands, it's an outward expression of an inward experience. It's an outward sign of surrender to an inward sign of surrender. If that's you, there's hands going up all over. Would you just lift a hand up high and just hold it there? And I'm, we're just going to ask the Lord to come into our hearts to just get rid of whatever junk has been in there, oppressing us, weighing down our shoulders. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come in and help us live a sanctified life. We're just going to ask for the renewed work of Christ to be just everlasting in our hearts, ever present in our hearts, would you just begin to ask him in your own words, Lord, help me. Lord, I need your strength. I need the fruits of the Spirit in order to live this thing out. I need you. I need you to overflow in my life so that it can overflow and I can offer it to others. Would you just continue to ask him, church? It's not my words that matter. It's your heart and the heart behind the words you speak. Just go ahead and begin to ask him, Lord, would you help me? I need your strength. I need your love. I need you. Jesus, would you give us strength and mold us and shape us and break us and remold us again, Lord, into the church that you want us to be. I just want to continue for these next few moments. Mike is going to lead us in this worship song. And I just want to encourage you, before you leave this place, friend, do not leave this place guessing and wondering if you did business with God. Leave here confidently knowing, Lord, I sought you. I sought your will. I said, come and fill my life. Leave here confidently knowing, confidently knowing that you've met with God. As we sing this worship song, I just want to encourage you to continue to flow out of that heart of saying, Lord, here am I. Fill me up. Fill me up. Mike, would you lead us? Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. 
day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Dismiss us in prayer. Please repeat after me. We are a community that welcomes everyone. We are a multi-generational community of believers that welcomes families and individuals as we help one another discover and become who God has created us to be. Everyone has a place to belong at C3. Would you bow your heads with me, church? Father, we thank you so much, Lord Jesus, that you've not only created this standard, but you've given us the empowerment to live up to it. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit empowerment would be upon each and every one of us this morning, Lord. God, that as they head as, they, as the individuals here, as the body of Christ heads to work tomorrow out in the world around us, I pray that the love of Christ would well up inside of them so much so that people would recognize that they are a Christ follower and it would inevitably lead to an opportunity to tell those who don't know you about you. So Lord, would you lead us? We recognize, Father, we can't lead our own lives. We need you in the driver's seat. Would you guide us? Would you give us wisdom in a day and age when confusion is rampant in our culture? May we always operate according to your supernatural wisdom. I pray that the word given this morning, Lord, would just soak our hearts, Father. Lord, may it just permeate our hearts so that we can just permeate the culture in your love. Now, Lord, would you lead us, guide us, mold us, 
shape us, break us, fill us, whatever you desire to do, we submit ourselves into your hands. Have your way, Lord Jesus, we ask. And everybody said, and everybody shouted. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at c3lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.